Hi, welcome to Forbes Let's Talk, the insurance edition. My name's Nicola Dawn and I'm one of the insurance partners at Forbes. And each podcast, I'll be taking you on a journey with one of our guests through their work, life and career. Hi, so welcome to episode two of our Forbes podcast insurance edition. And today I've got the pleasure of talking to Ridwan Omar, who is the head of our complex claims team and a partner in insurance. Morning, Ridwan. Morning, Nicola. Morning. Now we're in the middle of a heat wave at the moment, so if we start to get a bit hot and bothered, don't worry too much. (laughs) How are you today? Are you okay? Yeah, good driving. Good, uh, good, good stuff. Gorgeous weather, so... uh, It's beautiful, isn't it? Even up in the northwest, where it's just normally raining. (laughs) Makes a change as they say. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. So we first met back in 2021 when I joined Forbes and the first time I met you we were out on your 25th anniversary dinner. That's correct. So yeah. you started at Forbes as a trainee? I did. Uh, actually it, before I started my training contract I was with Forbes in um, as a, uh, a what they used to term a crank or clerk. So uh, I spent a year uh, at the Crown Court, sitting behind barristers uh, on very some very very interesting criminal cases, uh, and I was a police station representative, uh, um, attending police station, representing clients in the early hours of the morning, something to look forward to as a trainee. Oh, I bet there were some interesting cases came up there. Um, definitely, two. Uh, uh, I probably can't mention too many today, <laughs> but yeah, very. Some very good cases, to be honest, and obviously the reputation of the crime department, uh, which I'm not here to speak about, (laughs) but certainly it's got a really good reputation in itself, to be honest. It is, and crime are doing really well at the moment. We've obviously extended into the Blackpool office as well at the moment, so it's all a growth area. And um, Yeah, and that's going back, what, 20, 27 years ago Mm. now, so, uh, but yeah, it's uh, definitely what what it did do. I have to say, it gave me a good grounding. Yeah. Uh, dealing with difficult clients, certainly I would say that type of clientele are a difficult client, whether that's at the police station or at the Crown Court where you've seen in the cells. Yeah. But, and even watching the, um, the, uh, the barristers, the advocates doing their, mm. uh, doing their cross-examination at the Crown Court, you learn it, just that one year, you learn so, so oh, much. Oh, can you imagine? And obviously, you've got your higher rights of audience now as well. I do did. you think that had a real impact in what? Yeah, you've got on to, to be do? honest. Yeah. So, uh, I got my higher rights in twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, um, one of our ma- managing partners uh, pushed me to do that, mm-hmm. but um, as many of you <laughs> would know, I love speaking. <laughs> uh, it's and. Obviously, it's important. It's an important part. You know, being an advocate is an important part. Whether, you know, do I do all my own hearings at the moment? Probably not. Mm. Uh, I'd love to do a lot more, but uh, uh, it's finding the time and the balance. And uh, um, but yeah, it's it's certainly interesting skills to definitely have, and it's uh, hopefully uh, kept me on the good path anyway. Excellent, it makes for an interesting day's work as well. Yeah. When you've def- got that, that tool in your skill set. Oh, definitely. Um, I think at one of my first cases, uh, I got my higher right and then I did a mm-hmm. highway tripping claim mm-hmm. uh, for a local council. Uh, we, we won, which is always... A, good a, result, a, that's always a, a good it's call. It's always a good result. Yeah. So, but 
one thing it does teach you is the amount of preparation that's required is that the advice you'd give because obviously we're doing all the training contract applications at the moment and people applying would that be one of your top tips that preparations absolutely key for a lawyer isn't it it, it's it's key Mm. Uh, preparation is key and and uh, although it, it was a case that I was familiar with mm. it was a highway case that I'd basically uh, handling so I should have been uh, familiar with it but even then the preparation required for trial purposes uh, it's uh, yeah it's uh, yeah it's significant it's and significant. how have you found the change over the years that we've gone from certainly when I was training as well and you were a trainee you were preparing massive paper bundles to go to court that were yeah. absolutely huge and yeah. now we're completely paperless and we use bundle docs and we use different things yeah. and it's really changed I've, I've found even since Covid things moved on so quickly that's been a big change hasn't it oh massive change to be honest uh, don't get me get me wrong yeah. there are challenges in that yeah um, uh, we've I've been working paperless for probably three, four years. Mm. So even 12 months before mm. COVID hit us, I've been, you know, working a paper light system. Uh, so the actual actual transition, mm. you're going to work from home. It was no problem because yeah. all my files were on the case management system. So just go and plug your laptop in, and you were, exactly. fa- you were fine. That's, so it, yeah, it that's was great. Bonus. It was it was great, and obviously, uh, a lot of our insurer clients, as you will mm. be familiar with, um, a lot of them had to adapt to that because mm. they were still on paper uh, systems. But it, you know, scanning them in, getting them, you know, getting it on a case management system, it is key, and it's. It's second nature now. Mm. Uh, I think the majority of people uh, have adapted absolutely brilliantly mm. to, uh, you know, work, working, working from home. Do you, yeah. do you agree that the, the pandemic really sort of speeded that up from where law was I, and, and insurance industry was in terms of like, yeah, paper and things like yeah, that? Yeah, definitely. Don't get me wrong, there are aspects, um, there's a balance to be had. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's important. Equally, as you, again, as you'll know, uh, one of the key uh, things arising from uh, the pandemic was online training mm. through Teams or through Zoom. Mm. I did a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but there's no substitute. And I say that again, there is no yeah. substitute for face-to-face training. I love training. A lot of my mm. clients, hopefully, who are watching this will <laughs> vouch. Uh, I... Uh, you know provide training with some um with you know with a difference so they can take some learning points away from the whole session whatever subject matter it is um but equally it's important you know there's no substitute for the face-to-face you've that interactive nature of a face-to-face session um it's more engaging i would say oh absolutely definitely and in complex claims you it's such a well, as the name suggests, it's complex, isn't it? Yeah. Because there's so many different areas people do. I mean, we're going to talk to David Mayer later in the series yeah. about his sports law yeah. and all of that. And you do a lot of the health and safety and inquest side of things, which which must be interesting. Uh, completely, yeah. Mm. So, uh, in terms of, you want me to talk about the, the type of yeah, work please, I do? Yeah, yeah, please. It'd be great to hear about uh, that. So, a lot of the work I do is obviously... Uh, construction related Mm -hmm. do a lot of local authority high value Mm -hmm. uh, claims um, 
can be a mix of between liability and quantum only matters yeah. because of the high uh, high value of things. Uh, classic example, even the simplest of cases. I, I had a case that went to trial last uh, May 2022, um, whereby a uh, an operative working at a, a construction site. Mm. Sat on a chair, a normal chair like this, mm. in a canteen. Yeah. And you know what's coming next? Yeah. It collapsed. <laughs> of course it did. It but collapsed. Not from the big dinner, I imagine. Uh, probably not. <laughs> but it collapsed. Yeah. He injured himself. It. Uh, he developed uh, chronic pain uh, syndrome mm. and issues. It was a six-figure sum. Mm. He wasn't going to be able to work again. Historically, that type of case. As you will know, mm. you'd be set. You know, insurers would be settling those types of cases. Yeah. yeah. Um, Stark and Post Office, classic mm. example. Mm. Um, the weld on the chair, on the arm, no fix it, no moving parts, mm. just a weld like these seats that we sat on today. Yeah. It collapsed. We ran it to trial because it was uh, since the uh, uh, Enterprise Act, the yeah. Regulatory uh, Enterprise Act. Um, Obviously, the you know the, the law has changed. You know, yeah. reliance on it, uh, reliance on uh, breaches of the regulations don't automatically apply. So, um, it's based on what was reasonable, mm. and the judge uh, sided with us and uh, p- gave his judgment on the basis that no reasonable inspection would have actually identified this hairline fracture mm. within the uh, the weld of that uh, of the. Uh, the seat frame so mm. a real good result for the client but one actually clarified that these types of EL type mm. uh, cases uh, can be defended historically yeah you would have been settling this type of case yeah but the, ch- the, the, you know, um, the changes meant that you yeah. and would you say that's that's the great thing about your team that you've got a number of partners and clients can come to a partner to talk about it and there's, there's big involvement there of the whole team. Exactly. And, you know, we have uh, regular discussions. I'm forever, <laughs> you know, speaking with either Paul Geldard, a consultant with, uh, within uh, Complex, or David, mm. just bouncing ideas. And, mm. and I think that's equally important. And, uh, you know, on the back of that, we have clients speaking to us on a regular yeah. basis, on a weekly basis, just looking for advice and 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 it's good you know it's good that clients feel that they're able to just pick up the phone yeah, and, which is great. Uh, and speak to you know pick up the phone and speak to either any of us and say right uh, what do you think about this mm-hmm. uh, this problem that we have and you know, whilst we don't have, you know, we don't have know all the facts, yeah. we can just perhaps direct them yeah. uh, the right way, and I think that's key. Definitely. It is in building relationships with people is is absolutely key, isn't it? Whatever yeah. way you work with them, yeah. which is good. But the inquest side of things is really interesting as well. Yeah. So uh, obviously, I um, uh, in terms of the inquest work, mm. um, I will uh, again with the higher rights. Um, um, it, it, it's equally important. I will try uh, my utmost to uh, do uh, uh, the advocacy at the inquest mm-hmm. myself. I think earlier this year, for uh, someone from our social care team, from Keller's team, I um, uh, I was uh, 
by her team to do a four-day inquest up in Sunderland, mm. for example. Um, so, yeah, definitely interesting. Types of inquest work we generally see. Um, highway claims. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. Uh, highway authorities have been uh, called to inquests uh, due to fatalities mm. arising from uh, what the perhaps the police have perceived to be a contributory factor in terms of the road condition, mm. surfaces, that type of issue. So I've had a number of that type of issue. Uh, drainage yeah. have been an issue as well, if, especially if that's led to mm. uh, a, fat a subsequent fatality. Um, uh, an interesting ongoing matter, which obviously I can't dwell into too yeah, much. Yeah, we can't, but, we can't uh, see the parties, but can you tell us a bit about the facts about it? Yeah, so I've currently got a inquest at the moment with a, where it's a tragic case actually, mm. and most inquests uh, clearly yeah. are, but it's a tragic case where uh, a, a school girl uh, drowned on a school trip. Oh, that's awful. Um, so that's, again, you know that's again a, the type of you know sensitive case mm. cases that we deal with and and it's with inquests it's one of those things there's no winners here no. it's the sensitive parties it's, it's the family that you're obviously yeah. uh, that also an interested party and it's been sensitive to all issues i know i see it quite a lot in particularly the asbestos related cases yeah. And it's, it's awful because obviously you know that something tragic has happened but it's trying to get to the root of what's happened and who caused it and, and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, it's so hard. certainly with that tragic case, that one, um, we talk about complex yeah. uh, issues, that actually had uh, one of the very few cases which had a bit of a, uh, a foreign uh, jurisdiction mm. issue. So... Um, I was representing uh, represented a teacher, uh, one of the supervising yeah. teachers, uh, one of the uh, group leaders actually, yeah. who uh, had been charged uh, in a foreign jurisdiction with our equivalent of gross negligence, manslaughter. Okay. Yeah. So very, very serious mm -hmm. uh, allegations, but uh, some of the issues, or th certainly the issues, were very, very similar to what a reasonable, prudent teacher would undertake in terms of supervision. Mm -hmm. So the types of issues that arose were, you know, the degree of supervision, the yeah. reasonableness of that supervision, mm -hmm. the instructions provided to mm -hmm. pupils during the, um, the activity. So again, very emotional, very sensitive, mm -hmm. um, but it's just been, um, you know, ensuring that the best evidence is there. Because mm, I imagine yeah. taking witness evidence and things in that situation has to be done very, very sensitively. Sensitively, and again, it's one of those cases where um, there's no winners no, in any way. No. Uh, you've, got, uh, you've got tragic circumstances, mm. you've got the family as well. Uh, ultimately, you are representing uh, a client who mm whose uh, both livelihood and liberty is at uh, potentially at stake here mm. as well so it, it is it's a fine balance and yeah. ensuring that you know at the best you can do is presenting the right facts to the court yes. for the court to make that uh, mm. uh, uh, you know come to the right uh, mm. decision so 
Yeah, so interesting case law, as uh, they Yeah, say. exactly. And adding in the foreign jurisdiction point as well. How have you found dealing with that? Yeah, so um, fortunately, um, uh, we, we obviously, we have partners mm. uh, uh, in the foreign jurisdiction that we've used regularly mm. uh, for claims in that particular country. So, so that transition has been good, obviously. Good. How um, is your French with one? It, it is it just bonjour, wee wee, or the, uh, the fluent? Um, yeah, so again, <laughs> translators, getting, getting very good translators was, yeah. was definitely well, that's probably the key, isn't it, really? It was a key, uh, definitely key in that particular mm. case. Um, one issue did arise where the court-appointed translator had to be replaced by our uh, my appoint- I remember appointee. that happening. Did uh, that cause a delay or anything with the court proceedings? Uh, no, not a delay, but um, but it, it comes back to the question of get, making sure that yeah. uh, you know the experts you instruct, yeah. uh, the professionals you instruct, yeah. are the best in, <laughs> are the yeah. best at doing what they're paid to do. To yeah. be honest, so uh, even if you've got the long waiting times, we sometimes see for experts at the moment. It's yeah. getting that right expert. It's getting the there. right expert. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the interesting areas in terms of my work with Inquest has been the development of the COVID claims and that becoming potentially prescribed disease, yeah. industrial disease. Um, so we've seen recently that a few coroners have made a finding that COVID is an industrial disease, particularly a couple of cases involving nurses. Um, what legally binding nature does that have in terms of an inquest? What power does a coroner have? Yeah, in terms of um, the coroner's remit, it, it, the coroner has four statutory questions, mm. you know, who the deceased was, uh, when did they die? Where did they die? And in what circumstances, or how they came, to, uh, how the disease came to his death? And in certain circumstances, it can be expanded. You know that can be expanded. Uh, that fourth question. And whilst he's restricted to those four statutory questions, it's that how how did the disease come to his death? That's where the you know. Uh, the questioning of interested persons in terms of getting to the root cause of mm-hmm. uh, establishing um, uh, whether there was any underlying uh, cause uh, for uh, a, a person's death, whether that's systems, uh, systems of work, or whatever it might mm-hmm. be, whether it's a uh, whether a the road surface contributed. So it's those types of factors, but. Coming back to your question, the coroner, uh, at the end of uh, a uh, an inquest hearing, will uh, provide a conclusion. They are normally set conclusions, but they can provide what they call a narrative conclusion. Uh, so coroners tend to give a narrative conclusion, uh, and it's that narrative conclusion where they're uh, obviously on the balance of probabilities, uh, uh, establishing their findings based on the facts whilst the the purpose of the the inquest is not to establish civil or criminal responsibility or liability Mm. uh, some of the evidential issues arising from that does have an impact Mm. ordinarily certainly on the civil claims that uh, you and I deal with and so it is important from that perspective Uh, one of the other uh, sort of tools available to a coroner is issuing what they call a Regulation 28, a report to prevent future death. It's an important tool that the coroner has 
to uh, and equally uh, certainly family members uh, uh, see it as an important tool especially if they believe that a organization or a company or a responsible person um, uh, should be making changes to uh, ensure that another death doesn't occur uh, and so what a current what's open to the coroner is he's able to issue a regulation 28 uh, report to prevent future deaths and that can raise concerns about based on the evidence based on the facts and uh, it has to be in his belief that the organization company um, can make changes to ensure that um, as the as the opening line says to prevent a future death in the future it's important though I have to stress at this stage that I've had cases where organizations have gone to uh, inquests unrepresented and then they've been served with a regulation 28 uh, so it's important to get the, the representation beforehand. It's especially if those live issues are likely to be key, definitely mm. key. Because interestingly, um, I imagine with the COVID stuff, that actually some of the recommendations that would have been happening if the pandemic was still ongoing have become mute now that the, yeah. the regulations and the laws changed around it and that the pandemic has not gone into the stage where lockdowns and need severe amounts of PPE. Exactly. So... Uh, Certainly on that front, you know, open to organisations, they don't, you know, based on the Regulation 28, for example, they can, you know, sometimes organisations have already made changes, Mm -hmm. so therefore Regulation 28 isn't necessary in those circumstances. and if it had representation, that could have been put before the coroner at that point. Exactly. Second of all, it could be that organisation have reviewed their systems or reviewed the circumstances and said actually we don't need to make any changes mm. and so a regulation 28 it is a pretty t- uh, tight uh, limit in which to respond 56 days from recollection mm. that they have a, uh, a time period to respond to the um, uh, to the coroner and actually it's important because your response is then publicized on the chief coroner's website as well mm. so uh, so getting your response right uh, is important as well and getting a professional in to frame that yeah is what you can help clients with yeah definitely excellent well that all that is all really fascinating obviously from my work as well i I find it all fascinating but the complex team covers many different areas is there anything else that you cover um we obviously deal with health and safety Mm um i in 2006 going back some years now i did do a short course on uh, health and safety uh, run by uh, Kenworthy Chambers uh, in conjunction with Salford uh, University. It was an intensive criminal course on uh, health and safety. So certainly my interest in that line of work goes back many, many years. And certainly I come from that background, as I explained earlier, from a police station, yeah. uh, Crown Court background. So that criminal side of things. Uh, uh, so that's important. I was fortunate enough that the firm uh, funded for some um, uh, further training, so I did the NEBOSH uh, General Certificate for Occupational Health and Safety. Oh, that's excellent. I bet that gave you a really good perspective from the health and safety professional's point of view. Yeah, definitely. Um, Not just from a legal perspective, Mm. it 
you know you're looking at it from a health professional uh, health and safety professional's perspective so uh some may say a holistic approach to yeah, it to be exactly. honest so yeah definitely and what uh, they're looking at and the challenges they're facing because i yeah. know that 10 years ago i did a uh, comment at one of the major insurance companies and that gave me a real insight into how they deal with the claims and the challenges they're facing and reserving accurately and why that's important and and all the things you can teach people in within the law firm but actually when you sat in the seat doing that job you provide Definitely. much better advice because you're thinking of it from their perspective as well as looking at the whole. Yeah, definitely. Coming from a different perspective is important and it's important from the client's perspective that they've mm-hmm. got an advisor who has an all-rounded view and certainly some of the health, uh, health and safety professionals I'm dealing with uh, they could potentially come from a perspective and say, right, okay, you're telling me the law but I'm the health and safety professional mm-hmm. here. I kind of understand that where they're coming from yeah. certainly in terms of accident investigation which uh, is important as well mm. uh, and why they uh, report in a certain way and that's great because it does require a really collaborative approach between you and your client at a really difficult time for them doesn't it definitely Excellent. Well, that all sounds really interesting, but what does Ridwan like to do out of work to relax after all that uh, Um, health and safety work? As um, most people did during uh, the lockdown, I I found a hobby. Uh, My footballing career was over, having suffered an ACL a a few years ago. I was going to say, yeah, the knees suffered, Um, didn't they? So I took up cycling uh, and uh, I've got one of our partners to thank, Jonathan, who uh, got me to sign up to the Tour de Forbes Ah. and that uh, happened in September 2020. Uh, So I bought my first bike, uh, trained for that. I've got to say, I haven't looked back, I'm out on my bike. just got you going with it now. Um, Definitely, charity rides, out at the weekend on my bike, it's... uh, Loving it. Because uh, the Tour de Forbes takes you around all of the offices, doesn't it, in the northwest? You've got Leeds, Manchester, then coming over to the Lancashire offices. Definitely. Uh, so it's a hard, what's the hardest leg of that, do you reckon? It's Leeds to Manchester. Yeah, over, over, over the Pennines. Over the Pennines. Oh, killer, killer uh, on the legs. Yes. I mean, I, I volunteer from Manchester to Salford, I think. It's about two miles down the road, downhill. It's a uh, <laughs> lot, lot of climbing, as they say. Uh, you know, you need legs of steel. Mm. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, really good cause. Yeah. Uh, definitely a good cause. But equally... It's good to, uh, it's a good hobby to, uh, well, I've kept it going. It so is, and clear the mind and get some, it's all definitely. good mental health wise, isn't it? Yes, definitely. Uh, well, it's been absolutely fantastic to speak to you today, Ridwan. Thanks for taking the time. Thank, thank and you. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, Nicola.